Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mind Your Body, and thank you so much for coming back to listen. Before I get into today's episode, I wanted to ask everybody to please leave a review, or if you're short on time, just leave a rating on iTunes. If you're unsure how to do this, please visit mindyourbodydmt.com to find specific instructions on how to leave a rating or a review on iTunes. Wouldn't it be great to have iTunes feature Mind Your Body in the new and noteworthy podcast category? I think so, and the rating level and quantity can help us reach this goal. But it has to be done in eight weeks, and we have about four weeks to go. The bigger goal, of course, is to gain a diverse and large listenership to best inform others of the content here. All right, now that I've asked for your support, desperately, let's talk about today's episode. Today, we're hearing from Sherry Goodell, who is clinical professor and chairperson of the Department of Creative Arts Therapies at Drexel University. Sherry has been a DMT educator since 1980 and was also the ADTA, American Dance Therapy Association, president from 2010 to 2014. In this episode, Sherry shares her perspective on the process of becoming a DMT through education and training. We delve into what it really means to find your path to helping others, incorporating the mind-body connection in a helping profession, and transformative processes that happen all in between and beyond. Whether you're already a dance therapist or thinking about becoming one or in the service of helping others and curious about deepening your approach, this episode has valuable information for you. Also, something we didn't really mention is that there are many different routes to discovering your way in this field or similar fields, and some of that depends on where you're starting. But there are grad schools, alternate training programs, certificates, etc. Keep your options open as you listen to this episode if you feel a strong pull towards this career. For more steps on becoming a dance movement therapist, specifically, the American Dance Therapy Association site has a lot of very helpful FAQs. That's www.adta.org. This is Mind Your Body, a dance movement therapy perspective on the integration of our emotional, cognitive, physical, and spiritual aspects of our being into one more aware and whole existence. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hi. Well, first of all, Arita, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to be part of your podcast. I'm really excited about this project, and I'm happy to be sharing these thoughts with you about dance movement therapy education. Happy to have you. I have been a dance movement therapy educator for a very long time. I taught my first course in dance movement therapy in the early 80s, and also along the way, I've been a creative arts therapy educator and worked with students in music therapy and art therapy. For 10 years of this time, I served as the chair of the American Dance Therapy Association's Committee on Approval of Graduate Programs. And in that role, I got to learn a lot about dance movement therapy education around this country so that my understanding and learning about educating in our discipline is a little broader than just my own experience. Mm -hmm. I can say what I have loved as a dance movement therapy educator, that it's a real privilege to have 
a role and be witness to what happens when someone becomes a psychotherapist. What happens as people integrate information, theory, practice, and the part of becoming a therapist that is about developing an identity as a therapist. It's a real privilege to be able to witness that and to have to have a hand in that process. That's so nice. I really thank you for coming on to the podcast, and I thought that it would be really great to have your perspective as a DMT educator for how many years is it exactly? Uh, over 30 years, I will say. Okay, so that's a very long time. And since we have had a few episodes about dance movement therapy and practices related, maybe some people by now are wondering, what does it mean to become a dance movement therapist? What's the process? And maybe some people are starting to think, can I be a dance movement therapist? Mm -hmm. So my first question to you is, why do people generally choose to become dance therapist as opposed to becoming a different type of therapist or using dance as a background for a different career? Mm -hmm. Well, I think I'll start out with what's similar about becoming a dance movement therapist or any other kind of mental health professional. Folks who come into this discipline are similar to others who go into counseling or another kind of mental health discipline in their interest in, in a service profession, of being of help to others, of being curious about human motivation, about what the healing process looks like, about behavioral change, about psychology. Those are things that are shared amongst folks who come into any of the mental health disciplines. What is unique or different about folks who come into dance movement therapy is the mind-body connection and a real curiosity about the mind-body connection. Often, as I have met with many, many people who have come into the field, people who are considering coming into the field, often that comes from some kind of personal experience where either dance has had a healing or somehow important role in one's life, or there's been some other kind of moment where the power of the mind-body connection has really surfaced. And it's riveting, isn't it, you know, to finally understand this bi-directional relationship between what we call psyche and what we call soma. And we tend to attract people who, in some ways, imagine that they can't do anything else. And in fact, I think that's an important quality, that if you are feeling drawn to a helping profession, that folks feel strongly this is their way, right? Mm -hmm. this, is, this is their way of having that role in this society that it's through the body, that it's, it's through employing this natural mind-body connection that's in everyone and really bringing that into the fore in the psychotherapy process. 
It's so funny, you know, dance movement therapy professionalized in this country 50 years ago. And yet in some ways, people finding the field still feel as though maybe they've discovered it for themselves. <laughs> and Which I think was that's, made for me. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a very good thing. Um, and I think in some ways our field still needs people who feel like pioneers and are ready to keep discovering new applications of the work. And that it becomes a kind of personal commitment to working in this way with people. So I think this is part of how people choose to become dance movement therapists. There's been an interesting study that was published in the American Journal of Dance Therapy many, many years ago on how dance movement therapy trainees compare to trainees in other health service disciplines. And the researchers uh, studied a characteristic called absorption. And absorption is how much we feel into another person's experience or absorb another person's experience. And now, you know, with the research on mirror neurons, we've really learned a lot about how that actually happens, the mechanism of that kind of empathy and bodily felt empathy. But the researchers, if I'm remembering correctly, found that indeed dance movement therapy trainees scored a little higher on this factor of absorption compared to workers in some of the other human service disciplines. And I've always wondered if that was something already innate in people that sort of drew them to this way of working with so much interpersonal exchange as happens when we move together, or if that was a result of training. And again, if I remember correctly, the researchers may have even posed that very question. How is this? Is this something that training sort of teaches? Or are we really enhancing a natural proclivity in people who seek this work, who themselves find something very satisfying about moving together with other people? Mm -hmm. So I think that's an interesting aspect of what might be part of bringing people to, to study dance movement therapy. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you have people coming to train to become a dance therapist who are already in the mental health fields and who now want this additional resource? That certainly occurs. And sometimes it's out of one's experience in the mental health field that someone really comes to appreciate the role of the body, appreciate the role of action, of experiential work. And sometimes people do come back for training in dance movement therapy. We also, of course, bring into the field many people who have had a long career or avocation as a dancer. And it is important that people have breadth and depth in movement experience and some kind of movement expertise also to come into the work. Most dance movement therapy education programs actually do some kind of movement screening as part of their admissions processes mm -hmm. so that the educators can get to know the applicants as movers as mm -hmm. well. And that certainly, I'm guessing, is a difference um, with coming into other healthcare disciplines that rely more or primarily on the verbal channel.
Would it be appropriate to ask what are the types of things you're looking for when you you see these movement interviews? Well, every program will conduct, you know, this screening process in a different way. In my own work, qualities of leadership in movement, interpersonal skills at the movement level, some kind of dynamic flexibility, being able to move in different ways. And I think that the ability to improvise is really important. Improvisation is one of our clinical interventions and skills. We lead our clients through improvisation. And so I think it's important for the therapist to be able to improvise. This is, of course, not unlike what Winnicott said about the ability to play, right? Where Winnicott talked about the importance of the therapist being able to play if the therapist is to help the client be able to play. This idea of play as a way to um, live life creatively and to be able to move into the intersubjective space and transformational spaces. Great. So can you describe the process of training? Mm-hmm. Kind of more the intellectual and emotional processes that the students go through. I can. Everyone knows that an education process for becoming a therapist is going to involve theory and practice. But I think what's really key is how you glue that together, is how people come to integrate theory and practice. And for me, that uh, occurs very much in supervision. And I have for a long time really seen supervision as the space where people are able to be thoughtful and discover themselves in the theory, discover themselves in the practice, and really put the two together, to take observations from practice and then hold that up to theory. You know, to what extent can theory help us understand what has just occurred? Because human behavior is patterned. Um, And theory has been developed out of observation. And so for each therapist, there's a process of discovering which theories feel syntonic, right? Which theories seem to work best in this clinical setting to help understand or frame or help me, the therapist, make a decision about what to do next. And I think this is how competence develops. Therapists need to be competent and feel competent. And so supervision becomes this sort of crucible, yeah, where you're bringing these experiences. And for for new therapists, for students of therapy, these can be confusing. They can be unexpected, some of these experiences and observations and then you're connecting it to what's happened in class and people say oh now I understand Mm -hmm. and I think that's a a really key piece of psychotherapy training and a key piece of dance movement therapy training I think that people benefit from having multiple supervisors and this is a bias that I hold I think it's important that students get lots of different role models about how to do this work. It's through that that people discover their own style as a therapist to learn about 
what kinds of clinical populations are a good fit um, by observing different people do work in different settings. When you say supervisors, some people might think of that as boss or administrative supervisor. So just to clarify, clinical supervision process, it's a little more of sharing what you're learning and your own emotional and intellectual process that goes along with it. And your supervisor is there to hold your experience, to guide you, to teach you. I agree. You're absolutely right. The supervisor really invests in the developing therapist's learning and in the therapist's process of becoming a dance movement therapist. So the clinical supervisor is like a mentor, much mm-hmm. more than like an administrative supervisor. That is very mm-hmm. true. And this really brings me to what it means to become a therapist. So that there is the learning of theory and there is the development of clinical practice competencies. And then there is that piece I mentioned in the beginning about sort of an identity. And one of the hallmarks of a psychotherapist, counselor, mental health professional is really a curiosity about oneself, right? Because as therapists, we we are the instrument of the therapy. We use ourselves in the therapy. And that's not to say that we disclose ourselves all the time in therapy, although different ways of doing therapy will involve more therapist transparency or less, and sometimes that depends on the client's needs. It should always depend on the client's needs. But there is usually in the education of of therapists, mental health professionals, some process of, of coming to know oneself. That's also part of dance movement therapy education. Usually there's experiential learning in dance movement therapy education, some kind of process where people are engaged in moving and interactive, maybe group processes, and then looking at their own experience from that and then extrapolating from that to understand the experience of the client and also sort of like a lab where people develop skills and gain skills. It's also my my thinking that we're not expecting The therapist, you know, they say, physician, heal thyself. We're not saying, therapist, heal thyself. We're all flawed. We're all works in progress. But we do say, therapist, know thyself. Know yourself well. And in dance movement therapy, that means knowing yourself deeply at this mind-body integrated level. So that if we're to use ourselves, it's not only our reflective, empathic, thinking cells, but it's also our physical moving cells that are the instruments of the therapy. And so the training needs to include this very fine-tuned understanding of how one moves, what it's like to move in relationship, what it's like to alter the dynamics of one's movement and how that impacts the client's experience. And so dance movement therapy training typically includes a lot of moving together and then reflecting on one's role in those movement interactions and encounters, because this is how we do our therapy. So I think that's an essential element of dance movement therapy education. And it also goes to this idea of development of the person of the therapist. Now that, that phrase, 
person of the therapist it comes from a family therapy training model called person of the therapist developed by Harry Aponte. And not every program will use that exact model, but uh, most dance movement therapy training programs and courses will use that idea that there is some kind of transformation towards becoming a therapist in this way. We don't transform people from who they were into someone else, but in some ways people become more of themselves. And as, as people come to know themselves in this embodied way and get skills in using oneself in this embodied way. And that's a part of the training. Many people will talk about how dance movement therapy, education, and training was a maturing process or a process of self-discovery in some way. And that's short of doing therapy, right? There's, there are transformational processes that are developmental and um, bring about awareness and growth, and that's not doing therapy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that that difference line. between <laughs> education and therapy and dance movement therapy educators are very clear about working within the educational sphere, even while being aware that there is personal growth going on as people mm-hmm. become therapists. Yeah. yeah, it was a very fine line between therapy and education. And although the, our educators weren't actually facilitating therapy, but by practicing the therapeutic interventions and then reflecting on it, of course, feelings are going to come up. It felt a lot like therapy. And we were actually strongly encouraged to go to therapy. And whatever we couldn't really work through in class, we would bring to therapy. Having a group therapy class, which really mirrored group therapy, taught me a lot about relationships, how I relate to others, and brought me back to a lot of events earlier in my life that were still very present that I wasn't aware of until the program, to some extent. To feel how deeply it was living in my body was surprising to me. So that and bringing it to therapy, I agree with you and that's something that I experienced a transformation is the word you used. You know, one of the things that I think I've seen happen over the years that someone is in um, a training process for dance movement therapy is increasing someone's capacity for intensity, for emotional experience, for authenticity. And so it's more a matter of degree. And again, if as therapists we are to be able to be fully present with the intensity of our clients' emotions, expressions, and need to be real, to face reality, then it's appropriate that the therapy process prepares people And usually it's preparing to become more and more able to be with, to be present with high-intensity emotional expression, etc., and to move people through processes of transformation. You really see this happening over time as, uh, as people go through a training process. And it's a wonderful thing to see. This is what I was referencing in the beginning about what a privilege it is to to be on the sidelines while people uh, grow and develop in these ways. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I had a strong feeling throughout my training that it was inevitable that people were going to find out who I was anyway, because it was such intense work. And if you're not being authentic and real within the training and reflection, well, then you're not really learning authentically who you are, which affects how you present as a therapist or who you are as a therapist. I was on the verge of crying every supervision class. And at some point, I was just like, you know what? I can either fight against this or I can just go with it. And of course, at some point, I decided to go with it and really discover myself and learn more and really dig deep. I remember doing that movement, actually, digging. In that process, you start to hold and tolerate more of discomfort, more uncomfortable feelings about yourself and being seen by others during that time as well. Yes. You know, one of the, there are a couple aspects of of this part of the education that I'd like to detail. And one is, you know, really understanding therapeutic relationship and what that means. And so, um, you know, the psychodynamic ideas of transference and countertransference are part of this. And not every theoretical framework will reference these relational dynamics in the same way. But um, the idea that one can relatively accurately understand how others might see them, right? And that has a relationship to understanding a client's transference, right? And that one can um, relatively accurately observe their own responses to something in the intersubjective realm and identify that and identify that as related to this relationship or maybe another relationship. And the other thing that's very important related to what we've been talking about and increasingly part of dance movement therapy education in the last 10, 15 years in an intentional way is that of multicultural learning. So that therapist know yourself uh, is also studied and learned and raised up from the standpoint of cultural identity or identities. And because there is a very strong embodiment, embodied movement aspect of our cultural identities, and that of our clients. Uh, This is an aspect of the experiential learning, the integration of theory and practice. Again, supervision is a really important place for people becoming therapists to understand the impact of their own identities in the therapy process. So these are all coming together. It can be very overwhelming, the training process. And I wanted to say just a little bit about how it all settles in and integrates. What I've observed over all these years is that there's typically a time in the training when people feel very overwhelmed. And sometimes it's only later, after people have come out of the training and moved into the beginning of professional work, with supervision, that some of the learning sort of comes back and gets integrated and starts to feel syntonic and becomes 
really part of how one someone practices. And so while the formal education is regulated, planned, some of it happens later mm-hmm. as people return to ideas, continue having experiences in clinical work. And so dance movement therapy, education and training, and this is really true of all psychotherapy, education and training, in some ways is never complete because we all need to be lifelong learners and we all need to stay in supervision because the deepening that you're talking about and the integration of new observations, and the need to keep looking at oneself, that continues. The difference is that the new therapist becomes responsible for structuring that for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that we really need to see dance movement therapy preparation as a long trajectory. And many times as people get ready to finish, a formal planned program of study, they feel like they're just beginning. And indeed they are. And I would like to say, I think something more about uh, learning through supervision, actually. I think that even though supervision, clinical supervision, has been a central element of dance movement therapy education from the beginning, it may be a growing edge There is a great deal of scholarship on supervision per se, on supervision as a learning process, on the development of supervisors, on models of supervision that are different from models of therapy, on understanding sort of the life cycle of a therapist from the beginning of school beyond. And I think that we dance movement therapy educators could do a better job studying supervision per se and what has been learned from other mental health disciplines about supervision and dance therapy scholarship on supervision and intentionally integrating supervision models and understandings of career and therapist development into that a little more. And I'm very excited about that about continuing myself, to continue learning as a supervisor. Continuing it is important because there will always be new research findings, and we all want to be engaged in applying new research findings in practice when they are robust enough to warrant that, or to explore new knowledge, new theoretical constructs, new information coming from related disciplines. But the other thing about continuing it is it provides a community of colleagues. Dance movement therapy education, by and large, from the beginning, has valued cohort-based learning. It's important to come together with other people to learn in a group setting, as opposed to independent study. Why shouldn't we continue to give ourselves Cohort learning, community learning, returning to a community of colleagues can support one's ongoing development as a therapist. Do you find that there are a lot of opportunities for that? Are we we working on that as a field? 
there are more now that we, and by we I really mean the entire community of mental health professionals, are exploiting the internet and the fact that we can create community on the internet. It's not enough alone, I don't believe, to sustain someone through a career. There needs to be some kind of live time together, bodies moving together, um, certainly for dance movement therapists who are drawn to this way of being together. But I think there are many more opportunities than there used to be for identifying with a professional community, spending time with a professional community, and in a learning community. And the online environment is increasingly viable for that. Yeah. You know, there's something related to that that I wanted to say about dance movement therapy education. We talked about how people coming into the field are coming already with some relationship to dance and movement. That dance has made a different difference in their own lives, that there's a certain amount of dance and movement competency and readiness to begin the training. I think for people considering the work, it's important to know that one does not necessarily become a better dancer through dance movement therapy training. Nor do clients necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's also important for people to know that doing dance movement therapy is not enough to sustain and fuel one's own movement life. And this is advice I often have given to folks coming into a program or um, working through the training process. And that is that to be effective in our work, we have to keep our own movement lives alive. We don't meet our own movement needs moving with our clients. We meet our clients' movement needs. And sometimes that means quieting our own movement impulses, our own needs for expression. And I think it's very important for people to continue in their own dance movement lives during training and on in the career in order to be effective in our work. Sometimes I will say to a student that if, if this is what keeps body and soul together, if this is what brought you here to begin with, moving, for heaven's sakes, keep doing it. Mm -hmm. Very often when people are in grad school and the academic load is heavy, people will stop going to dance class. And, and I say, please keep dancing for yourself because this is, this is your strength. This is your resource. This is something you really need while experiencing the stressors of graduate school or the stressors of clinical work. So I think that's an important piece of the education, which is not necessarily in the programming itself in a dance movement therapy training program, but is on the side and yet very, very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the psychological, emotional, mental stress that we go through as students or even developing therapists or even seasoned therapists that on top of the physical that we feel, it's really important for us to deal with it in a way that is fulfilling to us and that is meeting our own needs because that can get into, like you were mentioning, countertransference and not recognizing that and maybe projecting in the session. And at the same time, dance movement therapists can do that with movement as well because we do a lot of our work with 
attuning body language, kinesthetic empathy, mirroring movements. And if we're not meeting our own movement needs, we're maybe having a need to be having more fighting qualities in our life right now. And this client that we're working with needs more indulging qualities. Well, we have to meet them where they're at. So let's say you just need to go and dance aggressively and energetically with fighting qualities in in order to kind of refresh and meet your own needs before working with clients. I would agree. In dance movement therapy and other psychotherapy preparation, there's almost always an element of the education that's about self-care. And in the same way, we need to prepare dance movement therapists to work at this embodied level in this mind-body integrated way. So the self-care of the therapist needs to happen in an embodied and mind-body integrated way. Along the way, as part of the education, dance movement therapy students will come to understand how to recognize their own needs for self-care at this embodied mind-body way. And my way is dance. Not everybody will remain active in a dance career um, or with performing or with technical types of dance, but it's important that folks begin the habit while in training of staying in tune with their own movement needs and engaging in self-care that involves tapping into oneself, meeting oneself in movement, so that you can then be really present and accessible and available to meet your clients in movement. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking back now again to other mental health professionals, and surely this must affect them as well, who are not necessarily taking care of themselves directly through the body as much. Do you think that it would be important for other mental health professionals to somehow engage a little bit more in their body, gain some more body knowledge, and and why? What might they be showing in session as a therapist, even if they're not doing work through movement, through the body? Well, I'm very biased in my approach to this question. <laughs> I am too. Uh, and I've never not been a dance movement therapist. So I can only speak from my own experience. And that is indeed to uh, hope that at the very least, folks who are working as, quote, talk therapists have a way to pay attention to their own bodily felt responses when in therapy, uh, when conducting counseling with others, when thinking about or in supervision regarding cases, because that is a competence to be able to sense one's own responses to stories, material, expressions that patients and clients will bring to any kind of therapy. And we are all embodied selves. And so we can trust that at some level, the therapist's embodied self is having some kind of response. And I do agree that, you know, that kind of resonance around one's own responses needs to include an attention to what the body is saying. And that's true for all therapists. And I really think that 
therapists of any uh, specialty will understand and appreciate that. Mm -hmm. So just being more aware of, for example, the breath, the the therapist's breath throughout the session and Maybe at some points it's becoming more shallow. Maybe it's feeling a little bit harder to breathe. You know, from my perspective, my approach, to me, that's information. First of all, that's me feeling my own countertransference, which also may inform me of what other patients or clients in the session might be feeling too. And maybe there's a collective need for us to breathe deeper, become more regulated. Yeah, I would agree with that. And certainly many times in my own work as a therapist, and I'm guessing your listeners will be able to identify with this too, is that at some point, spending time with, working with a client, something starts to happen. And it's usually initially a rather undifferentiated sympathetic nervous system arousal of the type you were just describing. So the initial alert there is, whoa, something's happening for me. Mm -hmm. And then, and I think this is the outcome of training and good supervision, the therapist is able to very quickly understand a little bit more. Not just, whoa, something's happening for me, but what is this? Ah, this is familiar. Hmm, I can use this to understand my client better Or maybe I need to put this away because this is about me, right? Now, it takes a long time and a lot of practice and a lot of working, as you were saying, authentically and honestly in supervision to be able to do that in the moment with a client. And sometimes a therapist won't know exactly what to do, but will simply notice it and not do anything that time. And then think about it later and then take it to supervision and say, when my client was talking about X, when my client was telling me this story, when they were expressing this feeling in this way, I knew something was going on for me, and I didn't quite know yet what that was. That's the work in supervision. That's the work of self-reflection. So the body offers an an initial signal, right? But then differentiating that, naming it, and knowing what to understand from that signal That's what happens with ongoing supervision and more experience as a therapist. That is a kind of expertise Mm -hmm. for therapists. And this is precisely why dance movement therapy education involves a lot of experiential learning with movement. Right, because engaging in the experientials, if you're role-playing the client or even the therapist and you start to notice these feelings coming up, this is a time to practice, right, and reflect what you, were, what you were referring to before. It is. And, and I think it might be wise to differentiate at least what I'm talking about as experiential learning and practical learning. So dance movement therapy education will include both if we understand practical learning as learning in the field, under supervision, working in the student role with clients and patients, and then experiential learning more this moving in classes that are designed for having one's own experiences and then learning from stepping back from that and understanding them. In some disciplines, the practical learning might be called experiential learning, but we're really making a distinction here. Sometimes I say to uh, a student, this is about 
you being both the subject and the object of the learning in the in this kind of experiential learning process. So we have just a few minutes left. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if you have any words of advice for anyone considering becoming a dance movement therapist. Sure. I would say learn as much as you can about the work before making a commitment to the training. The training is expensive. This is graduate level education. And be sure this is really what you want. However you can learn that. Observing observing videotapes, talking to people who do the work, listening to podcasts like (laughs) this, finding the community of dance movement therapists, whether virtual, national, local, joining. Just be really sure. Ask yourself, is this your way? Is this your way to help people? There are many ways to help people. Dance education is one of them. Community dance work and other kinds of psychotherapy that might even involve, you know, somatic psychotherapy is another branch of mind-body integrated work. So just be sure it's right for you and that this feels sort of indelibly syntonic. This sense of, I'm not sure I could do anything else. Hmm. I think that's what people want to ask themselves as part of the discernment process. We are a specialty within specialty as dance movement therapists, so that you do carve out a niche in the healthcare and mental health care spectrum by becoming a dance movement therapist. And because movement is ubiquitous, all humans are moving all the time. You are, you are gaining skills that can be applied very broadly, but you're, you're becoming a specialist. So you really want to be sure that you want this. Mm-hmm. I think that would be my advice. Yeah. And now that you're saying it, I don't think I ever asked myself that question specifically or had that question posed to me. But now as a dance therapist, reflecting on what you just said, our clients can really feel that too that we are very passionate about what we do. The more authentic you feel, the more whole you feel as a therapist, the more that your clients will feel that. And the more that, again, like everything you've just been talking about, you'll be able to respond authentically and do the work and supervision to really this difficult work of looking inside yourself, separating, you know, what's yours, what's the client's. And that's just great to hear because it sounds really basic, but it's also so important. Is this who you are? Yeah. In my current setting, at least, I found that our patients really just want to feel like their therapist is authentic and being being real. Yes. I also want to get like a little insight into your education. Just wondering, so now you're here talking and educating Ah, others. Well, I feel very lucky to have somehow been able to know early on what I was supposed to do um, with my career and life. And I went to school for dance movement therapy straight out of undergrad. And... 
it has been working for me all these years <laughs> since then. So my undergraduate preparation was a lot like many students coming now. I had a double major in psychology and dance. And it was this idea that I wanted to put these two things together. I'm not sure that I did the same kind of discernment and careful understanding of myself that, that we were just talking about either. I think I got lucky that indeed this, this is the work that uh, continues to feel right for me along the way. Because I was also lucky to move into some teaching early on, I've uh, been looking at this process of teaching and learning dance movement therapy for a very long time. And my learning continued when I went back to school for the PhD. And that was really about the importance of research and the importance of continuing in my own journey as a lifelong learner about mind-body processes. Was there anything that was surprising through your training? Maybe one thing that surprised you the most as you were in the program? Oh my, the relationships. Not surprising, of course, but salient. How important the mentoring relationships are. And I think it's why we as educators need to take very seriously our role as mentors, supervisors, teachers. Because what really sticks is the sense of how genuinely people invest in one's development as a therapist mm -hmm. and support along the way. Some of what I've said today also, of course, comes out of my own experience and very much so this insight about the importance of maintaining a, a lively, vibrant, and vital movement life of one's own. Well, thank you so much for sharing. It's my pleasure. And helping educate in this new form of technology as well. Thank you. Woo! Well, how lucky are we to have Sherry share over 30 years of her expertise that was great. Thank you so much, Sherry. Thank you all for listening. And again, please leave a review or if you're short on time, please just leave a rating. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time.